What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Harry of Moonwalker over Zoom video. Harry was born and raised just outside Denver in Colorado and talks about how he got into music. Harry talked about the first guitar that he got. He kind of got one of those starter packs with the amp and the guitar and the strap and all that stuff. And from that moment forward, he knew he wanted to be in a band. He talks about the first band he was in around fifth grade, I believe, his his first band started. And he played in bands all through middle school and the high school. Uh, his high school band ended up achieving some pretty major success. They moved out to Los Angeles. So he talks about that band a little bit and how due to the pandemic, the band kind of ran its course and everyone started their own solo projects and that's really how moonwalker was born harry tells us all about the process of writing and recording the new album and all about the the new deal he just signed with warner chapel you can watch the interview with harry on our facebook page and youtube channel at bringing it backwards it'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be incredible if you follow us there as well. And if you have time, rate us, review us. That helps us immensely. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Moonwalker. Well, I'm Adam. I appreciate you doing this. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you for having me, Adam. Of course. Uh, this is about you, your journey in music, and uh, we'll talk about everything that's going on and the, the big announcement with Warner Chapel, which is awesome. Awesome. Perfect. Sweet. Um, just based off the email, uh, you're in New York, I, I gather. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> are you originally from New York? I'm actually from Colorado. I moved here about a year and a half ago, probably. Okay. Yeah, I was reading. I think I saw that the the band started in like Denver area, right? Yeah, I'm from Denver. I guess I like started the project when I was, I guess, living in LA. But like okay. you know, that's a during pandemic. That's a weird fever dream period. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's back up. So you're born in the, what? Uh, you said Colorado, what? Denver area or no? Not. Denver. Yeah, I guess like just. Anyone who's not from Denver, like, wouldn't know. I, I guess I'm I'm kind of close to like uh, like Littleton, um, which is on some people's radar because like Columbine and so. But but I was kind of between like Denver and Littleton. I would say in a place called Inglewood. Okay, wasn't it Little? Is it Littleton? What was? Is that where it was? I don't know. Maybe I'm. Yeah, Columbine's like in in in, in Littleton's kind of big, but like uh, I'm between Littleton and um, and, okay, uh, and Denver, I'd say. Got it. Okay, right on. Um, what was that like? What was it like growing up there? Good. I actually, I love Colorado. I think that, um, you know, I feel like th this is probably like a relatively universal thing that people just like want a change at some point. And I definitely did. And then whenever I go back to Colorado, I st it still feels too close. Like I still wouldn't want to live there right now. It still feels too much like going back to being a kid, you sure. know, but I do think Colorado is amazing. I've got no, no, um, gripes with it whatsoever denver it's changed a lot also like throughout my life you know it's becoming kind of a big um american city mm -hmm. and when i was growing up it was a bit more quaint you know what i mean but like so then as i was kind of getting older and um getting more invested in like the music scene and you know having more time to kind of explore things i i really you know it had everything that i needed to kind of like discover my interests and like figure out that I love great record stores, great coffee shops, great restaurants, great, you know, like great comic book stores, like everything that I like was there. I didn't have that kind of thing that a lot of people I think have moving to like a big city or something for the first time where like, you know, it's your first time kind of being around that much like activity and that many options. Colorado was great. It, it really was all there for me. Um, I just think i just needed to not be like where my parents were you know what i mean oh yeah 100 <laughs> percent uh do where, you, where, where are you located sorry i don't i should have oh, i'm I'm in, I'm in nashville area um okay nice I'm, but i'm originally from san diego so i also oh, okay. left um <laughs> my hometown and uh my family and i we moved here so we love it though oh nice yeah i love i've not yet been to san diego but i love nashville oh yeah well that's where warner chapel is right nashville yeah yeah, and also it's where Tom is. It's where like 
Uh, my agent, every single person on the team essentially is in Nashville. <laughs> okay, right on. Um, do you come from a musical household or creative household at all? Uh, not really at all. My, I don't like, I'm reluctant to say not creative because, you know, like my, my parents are like great writers, okay. um, but really not to the point where not only was nobody like a musician, but like, I we grew up just kind of like listening to like top 40 radio like no one even cared about music enough to be like to choose the music that was on oh, it was literally okay. just like the most accessible things the first time that I like found out like the music my parents liked was when I started playing guitar and that was kind of like oh you should my dad was like you should listen to Led Zeppelin my, like that was the first time my parents ever kind of like took initiative to like show me music so i think music was just like never like nearly as part of a part of their lives beyond kind of just like you know whatever like the the culture is at that time like when they were kids it would have been more like you buy certain records and you listen to them at the turntable and we're adults like you know you listen to whatever's on like you know hits one or whatever like <laughs> yeah. it's not that they hated music but they had no meaningful relationship with it at all got it you know? That's interesting. Um, you said you started playing guitar. Was that the first instrument you learned how to play? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I and like thank God because I'm I I uh, still am this way. But I used to be like really I really couldn't do something I like didn't like. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't really in school if I had to like read something if it wasn't something that interested me. Like I couldn't retain the information no matter what. If you know there was a lot of sports I liked that I didn't like the the methods of practicing so it kind of put me off the sport like like if i started on piano for instance which generally speaking when people teach piano it's kind of regimented you know you, mm -hmm. you start with finger exercises and then you move to learning all of your major skills then you learn to you know like it's very kind of like it's there's like a structured method. yeah 100 exactly i'm not gonna that sit that down and learn how to play off. whatever you want to learn right exactly and guitar it was more and and that's not to say the piano couldn't be that way, but like guitar teachers, like guitar players are just like chill. <laughs> like yeah. a guitar teacher doesn't approach things that way for better or for worse. Like I'm not saying that's, but like a guitar, I, even like I, I played classical guitar for all, even like my classical guitar teacher wouldn't approach things like that. Like there's just, there's just something different about guitar teachers than there is like a lot of other instrumental teachers. You know what I mean? It's like, I did, take some piano lessons at some point like after guitar and i quit i didn't like it i play piano like now just enough you know uh -huh. but um if i started there i probably would have just not been interested in music you know i think part of it was kind of like you know first lesson i learned a green day song like immediately oh, awesome. i was doing things <laughs> i like yeah i that i that i thought was cool you know what i mean what'd you learn what was the first green day song brain stew Okay, there you go. Get <laughs> so that's I mean, awesome because sure then you can so go home and play to the record, like right? I mean, is oh, with yeah. piano? You're like, okay, I'm like to go practice the scale, but with something like if you learn a power chord, you're just like, and then you can just go home and play cool. along. It feels like yeah. you're a guitar player, like right. you're a and like you said, yeah, like I can actually play along with like a song, like a contemporary song that I've heard before. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. On piano, I, I remember going to my teacher that one time I ever made a request, I wanted to learn Don't Stop Believing. And she had never heard the song. So she refused to teach it to me. She'd never, she's like, I lived in what? Hawaii in the eighties. Uh, I was like, was I don't think that's rock. And yeah, like I wasn't alive in the eighties. I don't think that's an excuse. <laughs> yeah. They don't have any sort of music playing in Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that seems Hawaii. like just something you'd walk into like any sort of like bar or restaurant. Didn't even like ring a have, bell. Or television. I mean, think of yeah. how many times you see that on TV. That's so fun. Never been to a wedding. Never been to a karaoke <laughs> right. bar. Never been to a game, a sports game of any sort. Right. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, okay. So, you, okay. You learned guitar. How old were you when you started to learn how to play guitar? It was for my 10th birthday that I got um, the guitar and the amp and the lessons. That was like my birthday present. Oh, rad. What did you get? What kind of guitar? A like one of those um beginner packs where it comes with everything. Not the not the Fender one though. Everyone does. Strat, or yeah, the Squire pack. The Squire, yeah, exactly. It wasn't that. Not for any. I don't know why it wasn't. It was something like you know one 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 of those similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's similar, exactly. I didn't. I know that that they say never to get rid of your first guitar. I did. It's long gone. Oh really? That's a <laughs> and I don't miss it. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I sold it for nothing. Like I'm sure it was like I might as well have just kept it because it's not like it was worth anything. But um, yeah, it's gone. That's funny. Um, what did you start writing music or 
start a band or anything like that? Were you still like in high school or yeah. anything like that? Oh, good question. I guess as soon as I started playing guitar, it was like, that was all I cared about. Like there's like just my interests and the way I approached life and like it all was very kind of like I was, I just became the person I am now as soon as that happened, you know, mm -hmm. um, for lack of like a better way of putting it. I guess no, Yoki. Um, but I, I remember, I always thought that the, I always wanted to be in a band. First of all, like that was always the thing, like, like what first drew me to it was just like, kind of like the Beatles. Like I saw a Beatles kind of show thing and I was like, well, this, is, I've never heard music like this. I've never seen a dynamic like this. Like, this is kind of exactly what I want. I'd always like started fake bands with like my friends when not a single one of us played instruments. Like I always wanted to be in a band. <laughs> and I, I remember always, dude, you like spend all this time on the name and the flyers the and like name, the logo <laughs> the name and, and the logo exactly <laughs> using even songs to cover thinking about the production at your right. first saturday night live performance when <laughs> no one can play a note of music <laughs> so i always wanted to be in a band i mean that's like like our generation i don't know being in a band was sick that that might be like a dead thing now i doubt that the new generation is like oh man if only i could be in a band <laughs> but that was like the coolest thing when i was a mm -hmm. kid you know and did, did you but, eventually start one like that where once you could i mean once you could play guitar and, and everything yeah. i was like you start a band and do you play like around denver area or you play at your school talent shows anything like that yeah for sure i guess um i was I, I was always like starting bands with like my friends. Like my first kind of like show would have been at some type of school event with my fifth grade band. And we learned one song and there was no microphones. Like that was the first like show. And again, that's, nobody that's early though. Music. I mean, fifth grade. Wow. I was like, I jumped into the deep end. Like I was bad. Like you <laughs> asked once I learned that I start, I was in bands always well before I really learned how to play the guitar. You know, like I just wanted to be in a band so bad. Um, and then even writing music, I never really thought about it, but like, I would accidentally kind of like play something that sounded like a song because it was like, I was ripping things off. You know what I mean? But like in my brain, I was like, Oh my God, like I just came up with something that in my brain kind of feels like a song, you know what I mean? And again, like one of them, I think I accidentally wrote like snow Heyo by the red hot chili peppers in a different key. One of them I accidentally wrote <laughs> start me up in a different key. Like I, these were not original songs. And it's not like I had a desire to write songs, but I would just kind of like fuck around until a, a riff happened. And then uh -huh. I was like, this is like, I wrote that because I didn't learn it. So I wrote it, you know what I mean? Uh -huh. um, so I was always like wanting to write, but I didn't probably care about writing music until like sixth grade. I got my mom's old laptop and I had garage band and, you know, I, I liked kind of, yeah, I, I liked like putting stuff together. I'd say it's if I listen to it now, I doubt I would like refer to that as like, you know, music. But I but it felt like a creative venture. You know, it felt like I had like a product to listen to at the end of it, kind of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then at what point? I mean, you, you talked about moving to L.A. at one point, but like, mm -hmm. you know, you're in high school. Are you still pursuing music? Like, It sounds like you always wanted to be in a band. Was this like did you go to school for music or was like, okay, I want to do this forever. I, I know that I'm going to pursue music no matter what. Yeah. It was definitely that. Like I knew immediately I was like, like I remember telling my mom, like if I, if I like work at guitar center, I'll do that. And my mom, you know, like, was like, no, you need more. You, that's <laughs> not a good, you know, but like I, I like as a young kid, it was kind of like, I don't like your kind of like go to like a good college and like, get like, I don't like care about that. Like I need, like I literally just needed to be music. Um, and so at first, like everyone was trying to like talk me out of it, not like in a big way, but just kind of like, well, you can always like play guitar, like while you do other stuff like you, you know, right. like, no, like it's, this is the only thing. There's nothing else. I don't care. And so, th yeah, I was always, always in a, in a relatively serious band in high school, like these early bands, like playing at that thing, that was just like me and my non-musician friends, like messing around as soon as high school rolled around, like I was always at least like recording and doing shows, you know, and like, I, I was in like a, a, a band always in high school, like, you know, kind of like those people who like are constantly in a relationship. <laughs> like as soon yeah. as this relationship <laughs> starts to die, they start looking for a new one. Like I was that way with bands. Like I was okay. starting bands while this band was breaking up. I was always, always in bands and playing shows. And I, I had, you know, would we'd somehow manage to record like something um 
Yeah, and it was pretty much. I went to and in sixth grade. I went to a music school. Um, sixth and seventh grade, I think I, I was at this music school, and then I just didn't like it. And I was like, I I can just kind of play guitar. Like like I had like an hour at the beginning of the day. There was like guitar class, and I was just kind of like, I don't really care about that. Like that hour at the beginning of the day where I have to play music I don't like isn't necessarily making school a, a more pleasant experience for me, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was really far, and the kids were mean, and so I I didn't want to stay there and then i didn't like go to go to college i i was always like my parents made me like apply to college and stuff like that i didn't want to go at all but my parents were like adamant they were like you would be literally the first person in the family to not go to college it's not happening and i remember when they came around my high school band like won a competition to play at like um at like an amphitheater we like opened a festival oh, wow. at an amphitheater like on the main stage and and so that was like my parents saw me like on the jumbotron and stuff and that was that was the day it was the summer before senior year and that was when they were like maybe you don't have to go to college like maybe this is a real thing and they kind of started to warm up to it and then i think my performance as a student just didn't ever get good so they were like i mean whatever <laughs> like they saw That's the right awesome. so you guys won a contest uh your your high school band won a contest and you got to play yeah. like where like red rocks or was it like a big amphitheater or something it's actually so red rocks obviously is the big one it's a venue in colorado called fiddler's green which is not as famous as red rocks but it's actually like twice as big probably bigger right um, okay. yeah so red rocks is like surprisingly small i think a lot of people don't realize it's like nine thousand capacity or something like that um and then fiddlers is like also a great venue it just doesn't have the history so yeah, it's probably just like the ma- where like a massive band would play would be at exactly point. exactly it's kind of like um like we've got the basketball stadium you know which i think that once you reach a certain level that's like the basketball stadium. stadiums than like football stadiums yeah we've yeah. got the basketball stadium this is the same size but it's like an outdoor amphitheater and it's far better i actually love fiddler screen like it's actually i think a really cool venue it's it's not like it's not like a, there's something special about playing Red Rocks like that's on the bucket list. I don't think playing Fiddler's Green is on anyone's bucket list, you know. But right, it is but a it's truly still, great. It's, yeah, it's an amphitheater, right? I mean, if you're playing yeah. amphitheaters, that's a huge deal. Um, and it was so, playing like we opened for like Cage the Elephant, some bands that like I loved. So it was a big thing for me. It was the first time that my parents could kind of see something that they recognized as like. I don't success isn't the right word, but like, but like th- this is like an actual thing. You know what I mean? Like not yeah. just kind of like me playing guitar and, and they were always proud. I'm like, Oh, he's so good at guitar, but there was never, I think like a, yeah, this is starting to like resemble a career, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, obviously probably pretty valid, not only for you validating, but like for them to be like, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. My, my son's not just like, playing you know the the local dive bar for seven people it's like exactly out there on you know stage it meant more to them than me. yeah for yeah, that, yeah at least as far as validation yeah. goes like it was definitely because i you know was like any delusional young kid i thought like we were the shit that was like <laughs> of course we're here of course this is it you know but right. my parents were kind of like uh oh wow like this is a this is an actual concert when i think of a concert in my brain it looks like this Whereas right. I think that, you know, every other time it was like, yeah, sure. This is a fun little, he goes, plays these like, you know, dingy places and some people show up, but like, you know, whatever. That's so funny. I remember um, I interviewed uh, the guys from Taking Back Sunday and they were telling me about how like their parents finally were like, you guys made it when they were like in the local paper, like when they got, yeah. but it was like, they were on the cover of alt press and, you know, touring the whole country. And then when they can like, hold the newspaper and they can the hold that newspaper and be like, you know, the local paper said something about them. It was like, Oh yeah, well they made it now. <laughs> That's so cool that you interviewed taking back Sunday. I used to love this, this same era, that kind of era. I was obsessed with like taking back Sunday, brand new oh, yeah. stuff like that. I loved all those bands or still do, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. me too. Um, It was just funny. I I remember them telling me that I was like, that's hilarious. Like it was, it is, it's a generational thing. I think like my parents, that is even like in Moonwalker, you know, like they always thought it was cool, but like they didn't nothing process for them at all until yeah. Like, publications, my parents like write ups, even if it wasn't physical, but like, yeah, like, like 
any type of write-up and it was like you know that came relatively like late for for moonwalker you know like i had like a career like this was like a full-time job by the time they were like wow what a cool write-up and i was like <laughs> all right i mean it doesn't really matter like but sure if that's what if that's what makes you recognize that that there's legs to this then fantastic you know sure sure this episode is brought to you by dragon ball legends the ultimate dragon ball experience on your mobile device dragon ball legends features action-packed anime action rpg gameplay with goku vegeta trunks and all your favorite dragon ball characters summon your favorite characters from popular dragon ball anime series such as dragon ball z and Dragon Ball GT to Dragon Ball Super. Fight in real time against friendly or rival Dragon Ball players from across the globe in live PvP battles. Enter ratings matches with your favorite Dragon Ball characters and earn rating points and rewards. Unite with friends to defeat powerful foes in co-op. Dragon Ball Legends features the best anime fighting scenes on your mobile device. And now, Legends Festival is on, so you can get up to 300 free summon tickets. Are you ready? Download Dragon Ball Legends today. Available for free on both iOS and Android devices. Why, hello, friends. It is Adam from Bringing It Backwards, and I am here to talk to you about Factor, which I absolutely love, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. This holiday season, you may be looking for some nutritious, flavorful meals on your jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you eat well for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time and you'll stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all of those holiday to-dos. The thing I love about Factor is you skip the meal planning, you skip the grocery store shopping, the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up. You get Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals delivered right to your door. They're ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is just heat it up and enjoy. Treat yourself to high-quality, delicious meals over the holidays. Choose from over 35 chef-crafted meals every week that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences. Whether it's calorie smart or you're vegan or veggie, you want more protein, protein plus, and more wholesome options, Factor has delicious dietitian approved calorie smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. I recently had the shredded chicken taco bowl, which was absolutely delicious. It had roasted corn salsa, cilantro, lime, sour cream, Delicious, only 540 calories. Or if you need an extra boost to support those wellness goals so you feel your best during the holidays, there are Protein Plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. And guess what? That shredded chicken taco bowl I had, not only calorie smart, but it was a Protein Plus meal as well. And all I had to do, super easy, pop it in the microwave for two minutes, delicious meal, 540 calories, and over 30 grams of protein. But Factor isn't just for dinner. You can count on extra convenience any time of the day with an assortment of over 55 add-ons to suit various preferences and tastes. Choose from quick breakfast items, lunch to go, grab and go snacks, and ready to drink cold pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. Factor offers offset 100% of their delivery emissions and source 100% renewable electricity for their production sites and offices. This December, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered right to your doorstep. They're ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. And for you Bringing It Backwards listeners, head to factormeals.com slash B-I-B-T-V-50. That's B-I-B-T-V-50. Use the code B-I-B-T-V-50 to get 50% off. Factormeals.com slash B-I-B-50. Use the code B-I-B-50 to get 50% off. That's code B-I-B-T-V-50 at factormeals.com slash B-I-B-50 to get 50% off. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. Bring it 
Okay, so you have this band and you, you do that show, and does that band continue on for a while, like through high school? Like, um, yeah. Was there aside from obviously that big show? Like, were you got? Was there some big moments with that band aside from that? Yeah, I got calling it a high school band is is prop. That was just for the sake of the story. That was my. It was called the Midnight Club. We started it in you know high junior year maybe mm-hmm. and it actually took us to la so like it it extended oh. beyond high school and we were like like again i don't i don't i don't want to disparage that band that that we were like a a real band we we moved to la together we like um i mean shit in some ways it, there was more like we were signed to caroline records we had like a top 10 alternative thing like it was in some wow. ways now that's in huge some ways it had more accolades than than moonwalker you know what i mean but it just um you, you know we, we were kids and we broke up for kid reasons and um yeah but it was a real band it wasn't like we you know we that kind of kick started us having like a local following in colorado so we we were always able to like sell out pretty big venues there and had a pretty you know pretty substantial following there um yeah so that band and, and then we we didn't necessarily break up just the pandemic happened and that band functioned more like a normal band, you know, where like you need money to do their, to go work with a producer and, and kind of playing live was sort of the central thing, you know? And so it just kind of fucked everything up. Like, like COVID really just left us like not knowing what to do. And I think we all kind of just started to get more interested in like our, our own things. And so we all ended up like by the time COVID was over, we all had like solo projects and we're all still good friends. Um, but there was no real breakup. It just kind of like COVID made it so we really couldn't operate how we were. And then I think rather than, and then our, I don't want to say we didn't adapt, but the adaptation was that we all ended up with solo projects, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, like yeah. the Midnight Club adapting to COVID was what made us realize that the Midnight Club was just not our our perfect vehicle, you know? Got it. Okay. So yeah, it sounds like you did that band for a long time then. And it had success, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Um, it was like, I even look back, I, I like a lot of that music. You know, I, I definitely think that if, if and this is maybe not a good thing, but if COVID didn't happen, we probably would still maybe be a band. Yeah. And then you know. obviously that changed everything, right? For, for yeah. everybody. But uh, yeah, and to me band, for the better, I'm happy it happened, you know? But who knows? It's it's hard to it's like this is the only timeline I live in. So right, right. So so once that you know COVID happens, you guys, everyone's inside. Is that when you start ma- uh, putting together what became Moonwalker? For sure. Like okay. the way the Midnight Club operated, I would write the music uh, by myself, and so it just I, I I'd kind of write it by myself and like demo it by myself, and then we had a, a producer we worked with. And then I remember there was a Midnight Club song in COVID where where right before co- the lockdown happened, we started to be more happy with the demos than we were with the final product. Like that was just like a side thing. We were starting to feel that way. Mm-hmm. And so then we kept working on music at the beginning of COVID. And there was a song about the pandemic that I, it was the first time that like something clicked in my brain where I was like, I'm not viewing this as a demo. I'm viewing this as like, this is the, the finished song. And so that ended up being like the first song that I ever produced ever. You know what I mean? That was like the first time we're kind of like, and it was really just a mindset shift, just the kind mm-hmm. of difference between like, just get it down. It's a demo and being like, well, let's get the perfect guitar take. Like, this is the song, you know what I mean? And so in at the beginning of COVID for the midnight club, I essentially started to develop all of the skills that became Moonwalker, And the midnight club was sort of in the songwriting from the songwriting perspective, it was kind of like a solo project for me, but I couldn't sing. I didn't, I couldn't play drums. Like I couldn't do these things. And so I started to, to help myself get better production. I started to do those and I would sing. I was like just good enough at singing. I could just like melodyne myself to where I sounded kind of like passable. Um, And I would like make that music for sound library. So while I was making music for the midnight club, which let's say was the music that I kind of cared about, Mm-hmm. Um, and I would do everything, but not sing it, you know? Um, and then I would kind of be like, well, today I'll make a song that just sounds like a rip off of like Imagine Dragons or something like that wasn't necessarily a passion thing, 
Um, but I kind of just wanted to see if I could do it. I would like sing it and sell them to these sound libraries while the Midnight Club was happening, I'd say. And then I wrote one song that I didn't want to give away. And um, I just decided to make it a solo project. And then just kind of, as again, mindset thing. As soon as I thought to myself, like, well, this, I'm not selling this and I'm not giving this to the Midnight Club. Like, this is something else. Then I was just kind of like off to the races and I don't even think we all had a moment where we like sat down and were like, do you guys want to keep doing the Midnight Club? I think it was really just like, you know, our singer got more into songwriting and he didn't want to give his songs to the Midnight Club. And I kind of had my songs I'd write that were like, this is a Moonwalker song. This is a Midnight Club song. And at some point it was just that all the good ones were, <laughs> were Moonwalker songs and the <laughs> shitty ones were Midnight Club songs. All the throwaways that were like, oh, this, this is a good one like, the Midnight Club. Maybe this isn't a thing that we care about anymore. Um, what was that first song that you wrote that you wanted to hold to your, like, hold on to? Uh, it was called Tear Down the Wall. Um, off, it's out, it's out. It, it was the first yeah, it's song on that I first, released. That, yeah, okay. It was the first song you released. I was just yeah, curious. Yeah. It was that. Which obviously now is kind of like the order of, of songs releasing gets like wiped away as soon as the album comes out and they get pulled right. from the DSPs and stuff. But yeah, that is fun fact. That is the first one. Wow. Okay. And what was it? Sorry. I just curious on, you were talking about writing songs for you'd sell the songs to, to what was that for? I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I shouldn't have, I should have elaborated more. It's no, these no, things no. called like sound libraries where um, okay. basically uh, like a t anyone could sign up, but it's mostly used by like TV shows, commercials, movies, ad campaigns that are on kind of like a lower budget. And so mm -hmm. you can go for $200, you can just buy the rights to a song, period. You don't have to go directly to the artist and pay them a licensing fee. You don't have to deal. Usually Got it's it. kind of a one-time buyout. You might not even get anything on the back end. And um, it, it totally, every library has an entirely different like payment structure and stuff like that. Um, so I, in and of, I dealt with like five that were entirely, entirely different payment structures, you know? Um, but basically in pretty much all of them, either you'd just write a song and give it to them and maybe they'd, they'd pay you for the song and then never get, pay you again. Or maybe they don't pay you for the song, but they pay you when it gets licensed. Got it. Or okay. maybe if you're really lucky, this is where the money really starts to come in that you can get hired for spec work where they're like, we need a song that sounds like this, that has this type of, I don't know, that's about this and we need it done by here. And that's a higher paying job generally. Um, but like, for, for example, it, you get a lot of money because that's kind of cutting straight to like, straight to the, to the heart of where a lot of money is in music, you know? Yeah. But a licensing fee for that is like a teensy, teensy, tiny fraction of what a licensing fee is for like an artist, not right. even a big artist. Like, you don't even like, like a licensing fee for a Moonwalker song is like, 20 times as much as the licensing fee for a Harry Springer song that I sold to a sound library, you know? Got you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of so sense. So it's like, yeah, it so is, it's like, it, you yeah. gotta grind, you know? Yeah, no, no, I, I, I get it now. So yeah, you, cause there's a bunch of different websites you can do that for. If you wanted to like music yeah. for the background of a commercial or something like that, and you didn't want to go pay uh, you know, journey for it, you'd find exactly. something and yeah. Okay, you could search sense. journey on one of these websites and they'd literally and give you a band copying journey. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So I know exactly what, what you're doing. That's awesome. It's funny. Cause yeah. like my, uh, we heard there's one, they always, my wife wa was watching the bachelor and there's one, they always play where it's like a total ripoff of green day time of your life. And it's like the first three chords are the same. And then it changes to something different, but they'll only really slice it. Like, so like short that you think that you'd mistake wow. it. Yeah. You're like, Oh, they, Oh, that then you once you kind of get a piece of it when it plays like a couple extra notes, you're like, oh, it it's is not it. Yeah, all this. <laughs> the one like just like what you just said, the one that I always heard for a long time, there was a commercial where there was a song that was such a ripoff of that one one Republic song called I think it's called I Lived, maybe similar kind of thing, finger picking acoustic and just like uh -huh. some fucking lyrics about like life in the most vague possible way. And it was. <laughs> It was, I, and like, I do that. I do, I used to do the sound library stuff. You hear it all the time. I've never heard such a fucking direct rip off of something. I just thought it was hilarious. I mean, it, it's <laughs> yeah. honestly just hilarious at some point.
So like we can either license this from Ryan Tedder for X million, or we can just have this person do the exact same thing. Don't even have to reach out to him. Don't have to wait for him to clear it. Don't have to do. We just pay some website 200 bucks and we can do whatever we want with this thing. That's so funny. Um, A big one is you can always tell with, like you said, the bachelor, you can always tell with like love Island and shit. That's like the, those dating shows are the first place where you'll notice like, either cheap sync sound library stuff or even like royalty free stuff yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) that's so funny um okay so you're doing that obviously and then writing stuff for for moonwalker and Mm. um you put out that first song tear down the wall and from there are you like okay this is like what was the next kind of moment i mean you put an album out pretty quickly right after releasing stuff which is a bold move in this yeah i guess it is funny i i'm trying to think of i guess now the what my thought process is even during this. I made like a whole, I didn't release anything until the record was like done, like completely and totally finished. I don't really know why. I guess I just like make records. Like, like even now, I never like make a song and I'm like, great, I'm done. You know what I mean? Like the song is like exciting and cool, but it's always, it's always like part of a bigger thing, whether that pans out or not. I don't ever kind of like write a song like, oh great, this will be like a single now let's plan the music video or something. It's all, I'm just always thinking of things in like a project. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that was it. And it's a short record. So, you know, it was done relatively quickly. Um, I guess I do remember with releasing it, it was pretty like consistent kind of just like waterfall release, like once a month thing. Nothing really happened for me though, until definitely after that record was out for like, like, I, I might have been releasing singles for the next record, actually, by the time kind of I started to, like, have some success with Moonwalker. Like, it was, I was kind of just chugging along regardless of what was going on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't I wasn't doing the smart thing of, like, let's kind of move the needle a little bit, then we can make another thing and move the needle a little bit. And make. I was just, like, releasing things regardless of, of <laughs> whether anybody heard it or not, you know? Right, right. Um, and I think that I was just like, I had heard, I had been told to wait so much, you know, like the Midnight Club, that was like the name of the game. Like our managers was like, wait, 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 wait for the right moment. Wait for the right single. This is, we got to do, it was so, so painstakingly like deliberate I, uh, but that, it, that it kind of became like not deliberate anymore. It was so in, intensely like we need to make the right moves. We need to take the right steps that at some point it was becoming like, not only are we not necessarily taking the right steps, but we're taking like one fiftieth as many steps as you need to take in this world. You know what I mean? In this, in the the modern framework of the music industry, and this was when Billie Eilish was just starting to release music that they were recording on on at home, and, right. and we were starting to like warm up to the idea of like pro- professional sounding music from professional artists can be made on their own kind of on their own like prerogative and it can be released on their own prerogative and promoted on their own prerogative. And you can kind of just run your own thing. You know what I mean? You don't really need to wait for the advance to fund the creation of the music and then wait for the right time to drop the music. Cause that's the only way you have a chance at getting a big release, which is the only way that you have a chance. Get- it's just like, it, it used to be th- this really convoluted thing. And I think I just kind of sensed that that's not where we were headed mm-hmm. and and it definitely isn't, you know what I mean? Like now I right. think that the way that I release music is very much just the way that people release music now, you know, but there was definitely a time where it was like, why would you ever be waterfalling releases to an album when nobody is listening to the music? You know what I mean? Like it was, it was a time when it was, when it was not a smart like business thing. But then, I mean, like there's always like right now, a music video is not a smart business thing. There's no reason to have, a music right. video, but I like them. I think they're cool. I like making them. So I want to do it. You know, mm-hmm. an album is not a smart business thing. You'd be, you'd be better off making singles, promoting it. When the single blows up, you release that single, promote more. That's the smart, like business thing. But like, I'm not like a businessman. Like, you know, when I have the record, I can think of a smart way to release it. Cause I like the record and I want people to hear it. But like, I'm the day that like, the way that I write music or the way that I kind of get myself excited about my own music is tied into like the business side of things. I'm going to like, hang it up. That's when you've lost the plot (laughs) in my opinion, you know, like this is a business acting like it's not, doesn't help anyone. But like, this is also music, like acting like this is any other type of 
business is also disingenuous. Like we are kind of dealing in this like magic category where like what makes music work, what makes people like music, what makes a song work is like magic. So you can't just like liken it to like releasing any other product in the world. You know, it is different. There is this other thing that can't be quantized. You can't put a number to just kind of like what releasing music does for you and for the people consuming it and 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 what a song that kind of like resonates with people, you know, what that does, I guess, if that makes sense. Like you've got to view yeah. it as a business thing, but like not until after you're done with the right. with the song or the record or whatever. Like and and that was I guess my thing was like was like once I finish the record, I can think of a smart way to do this from like a business perspective. But like when I'm making a record, this isn't a business. And I still feel that way. Like, like when I'm making a record, Moonwalker is not a business. Moonwalker mm. is like my, just the name that I put to my musical kind of like, you know, output. But then like when, when it's done, then I can think of a smart way to kind of stay in line with myself as an artist, but also maximize the likelihood that more people will hear it or something. Um, I feel like I've veered off course now. I can't even remember what no. the question is, but but yeah, I guess that no, was, it was like that. You answered the question. I was just yeah, curious. Well, I'm, you you mentioned like you know having a bunch of music out, and then you know that songs in that album not performing until later, like once yeah. you kind of got some success. Like, what was kind of that moment? Like, was there something that happened that really sparked? I mean, you have millions of streams on those songs some of the songs in that first album and then even into the next one like what like what drew people in like do you remember or like yeah. was there a moment that like kind of everything changed tiktok like tiktok i and i oh, do okay. i was i was so anti like at the beginning of moonwalker even the beginnings of releasing that music it was like i was working with like a company who was helping me like promote it and the big fight with that company, and they were totally, I mean, they were totally right. The big fight with that company was they were basically like, you need to put your time into making TikToks and you need to put your money into promoting TikToks. And I was like, fuck that. Like, I don't want to make TikToks. <laughs> yeah. I, by the way, it is worth, in defense of myself, no one was making good TikToks yet. You know what I mean? Right. Like, this was like three songs had blown up on TikTok and it was like A, B, C, D, E, F, U and Matt at Disney. Like there was no, like there was not this thing where everybody is, is using this as just kind of like a tool. There was like a way to promote music and I found it really uh, embarrassing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there was kind of a clean cut way to promote your music on the app and, and it did for sure require um being kind of cringe i, I guess <laughs> and it like changed over time to the point where now people just make small music videos really like like a successful music tiktok can just be like a cool shot with a good song and the, right. and the person singing it. you know like now it's totally not there anymore but like in my defense it was cringe like the people blowing up on tiktok at this time that was not the trajectory i wanted my career to follow you know and so that was our big fight for the entire duration of working with them. I was still dragging my feet on TikTok. We were there, but like I was not putting effort in. I was not caring about it. It was not the metric I was looking at. Um, and then I'm really not actually sure at all when it changed for me, when I realized I should start putting effort into TikTok. But I do remember just kind of feeling like I don't know how to make progress with this. Like I don't know how to find fans. I don't know how to do this. And then like, you know, running ads and doing all this stuff and getting excited. Like, oh my God, the song got like a thousand streams yesterday or something. And then I had a TikTok do like kind of well, like not even that, it got like 20,000 views or something. And it got like 3000 streams that night. And I was like, holy shit. Like I just spent, if I spend a hundred dollars on ads and get a thousand streams, I get excited. Mm -hmm. And now suddenly I spent $0 on ads and got way. And so that was kind of the moment where I was like, this totally this totally is the way to get people aware and i sort of just i was still making music videos making music as though tiktok didn't exist as i still do um but yeah a lot of my excess effort was kind of going to figuring out how to like promote the music on tiktok and there was just a very one thing i always struggled with was i wanted to feel like as i put work into something you were getting something in return like as you put work into music 
you get music to listen to. There's your mm-hmm. payback. You know what I mean? Like you don't making music is rewarding because then you get a song to listen to at the end of the day. Like that is motivating sending a bunch of, you know, cold emailing a bunch of record labels, cold emailing a bunch of whatever, doing anything you could possibly do to further your music career. That's not actually make music. If it doesn't work, you kind of feel like you wasted your time. You know what I mean? Like if, if I email a hundred venues asking for shows and I don't get a show, I just feel like that was a waste. Or at least I used to, whether that's right or not, it is the feeling you want something in exchange for the work that you've done. You know what I mean? Whether it be like validation or like, again, something to consume that can make you excited or like money or, you know, just some, you want to feel like your work that you don't, that isn't necessarily work that you enjoy doing is benefiting you in some capacity. And that was the first time that I was like, I saw a very direct correlation between like, I put effort into something. I see a payback from that thing. You know what I mean? Like I put effort into making a TikTok. I get more people to listen to my music. It felt like a very kind of direct thing. So my brain liked that, you know, like my brain liked the idea that the more that I post on this app, the more people find my music on this app. There's a very direct, I put an hour into TikTok. I get an hour's worth of benefit after the fact, you know what I mean? So I just kind of started to put it all into that. And then things started to work, you know, because people obviously find my music from more than just like, TikTok and Instagram, but I would still credit TikTok and Instagram as 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 enabling me to do that. Like, I remember my biggest concern, like, how do I get the Spotify algorithm to work in my favor? Like, how do I do that? How do my old band did great on these algorithm things? And so I was like, how do I crack that? How do I crack that? The answer is get real people to listen to the music. Like the algorithm on Spotify was cracked as soon as there was real people listening. Mm-hmm. So like People discover it through the Spotify algorithm. People discover it through playlists. People discover it through any other thing. But I would still say that those things only started working as soon as TikTok started working. Like it really, it legitimately begins with this one video doing moderately well. That was kind of when like everything changed as far as like, you know, not the music, but as far as kind of like the perception of Moonwalker and, and Moonwalker being like, you know, like a job kind of thing. You right. Know? Yeah. And like the approach that you ha- take towards promoting the songs. I mean, like you yeah. said, if you're spending hours and hours and in, in doing things and putting in time and then you get no, you know, re- reward or even like anything out of it. Like, yeah. I, I could see how you, it's like pretty defeating. You're like, why am it's I even exhausting. doing this yeah. now? Yeah. Like this yeah. is, I'm putting in all this time, this effort and nothing's coming of it. Uh, and, but then you, you see success. When you do music, you accept that like, Money's not the thing, you know what I mean? Like you're not doing this for money. So it's already like the fact that I'll do work and not get paid. I, I accepted that way long ago. (laughs) Now you do work. You don't even get like, you don't even feel good after doing work. You don't get anything from doing this work. It's just, it, it, it will burn you out way, 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 way quicker than, than like you can sustain, you know? Sure. Sure. But I mean, obviously the TikTok thing worked for you and that's amazing. I mean, uh, yeah, definitely drew a lot of people to sounds like that's what kind of drew people to you and and to know what moonwalker is and in the project yeah i definitely um, owe like everything to to that you know yeah like i i owe everything to i don't want to say like tiktok but i definitely <laughs> owe everything to that shift i don't know that shift where like music was no longer discovered on radio stations and ads and blah 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 it was discovered on these algorithm based apps, which might not be the greatest thing like for society at large, but like it really, who the fuck knows if I would have found another path to this without it. Like the, the, there was no way to do this without like labels and industry support and all of these things. Like you couldn't make it happen with sheer force of will. And you kind of can now, but it used to be like, it doesn't matter how much you want it. Like if there's not an industry person repping for you, you're not going to get into the spaces where people discover music. It's just not going to happen. You could make the greatest song in the universe. And if the wrong person is handling the release, the release will be heard by no one. And subsequently the entire fucking success of the song long-term is, is tied to that failed release. You know, it's just not the way that the world is anymore. Thank like, Thank God. I don't know if I could have made that happen for myself. You know, um, like, I don't know. That's just that that's that's tricky, you know. 
Yeah. I mean, it's a totally different world, right? I mean, just yeah. the fact that, you know, you have these apps like, like TikTok, I mean, especially in the, when it started, it was like such an open level playing field for everybody. It was like mm -hmm. people liked it and they saw it on that for you page and they vote or it's almost like they're voting it up if they're liking it and commenting yeah. on it. it's like moving back up in the algorithm. But if, if this, if no one engaged it would it would go away. Do nothing. Yeah. You're back yeah. at square one anyway. Right. Yeah. And I, spent, so, I mean, I spent like months, maybe it might've been a year or more. Yeah. Just like fucking twiddling my thumbs on the app, getting nothing, <laughs> same thing, putting in effort, getting nothing. And, and yeah, I don't really even know why I stuck with it. Like I, I really can't even, can't even exactly remember my thought process throughout the whole thing. Cause I just remember like hating hating it i was like i fought these people so 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 hard on it but i never stopped like i kept doing it for some reason even though i i would have gone to bat for the fact that tiktok was not going to change the music industry i would have died on that hill but like <laughs> thank god i didn't actually right. you know listen to myself i guess yeah 100 percent. so you just released uh or the the most recent song you put out is monkey see monkey do yeah and is that and then you sign with Warner Chapel, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so are you doing an album or uh, is just singles right now? Like what's tell me about Monkey See Monkey Do and like what what do you have coming yeah. up? I actually I have a record coming out next. Jeez. Wow. The 20th. Oh, I guess like yeah. The 20th. Friday. Actually, you have an album, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. So sorry. I, I did. Last, I just oh, no, didn't no, read that like, you know, an hour and a half ago. Now <laughs> no, it's also taste. confusing because like. <laughs> The lead single from the album is the album name, which, which yeah, okay. makes it confusing, you know. <laughs> um, but yes, album's coming out. Monkey See Monkey Do, I guess, just like the last, yeah, that was the last kind of kind of single for that one. Okay. So tell me about the album. You're doing a tour and everything for it, I saw, right? Yeah, yeah. A, a proper release. Vinyl coming out with the album rather than wow. two years after the album now. Like a whole real, real thing. Um the album, let me, God, let me think. It's, um, I wrote it. It's, I, I didn't like take a different, I don't know. A, a lot of people, the, the experience of making a record is totally different because they work with a different producer. They record it in a different place. They do, you know, something like that. I've like never changed my approach for as long as I've done Moonwalker. Mm -hmm. Um, so it doesn't feel like, and in fact, I don't even like take really time between kind of writing. Like I'm just always writing. And then I know that the record's done when the music I'm writing now is good, but it doesn't fit with that music. You know, that's kind of when it's like, I want to keep this music, but I don't want to put it on this record. That's when it's like, well, that record's done then, you know, so that I kind of cap it off uh, there. And so that happened here. And as a result of that, it's hard for me to kind of always be able to know what the difference between the records is. Like, I don't always have different inspirations or a different objective or anything like that. But this one is very different like I, I can listen to it now with some distance between you know i finished it a while ago like i can listen it's a pretty huge departure from my other records um mostly not because i shifted my perspective but i feel like because my skills kind of just like caught up with myself like i almost feel like on the first two records like i was kind of going for this you know i just like wasn't a good enough producer i wasn't a good enough singer i wasn't good enough at kind of having social commentary but kind of stating myself eloquently like it, it just feels like this is how moonwalker has always sounded to me but like if i listen to kind of those first two records i can like objectively say that 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 it doesn't sound like that you know mm -hmm. so the new record i think that to me i couldn't really tell say anything that contributes to why it sounds different apart from just like getting better and maybe like i i'm i've lived in new york so i guess the other two were recorded in a different studio. So that changes things in ways that you probably don't even know, just like moving affects your creative output, affects your life in every way. Um, there was no real conscious decision. Like I didn't really have some people, including myself sometimes will be like, okay, this record, like they'll make almost like a mood board of like, these are the bands it's going to sound like, this is going to be the aesthetic of it. These are the lyrical themes we're talking about. This is the blah. I didn't really do that with this one. Fortunately, it ended up being like incredibly tight as far as all of those things goes. Like there really is only a couple central lyrical themes. There really is recurring sounds, recurring tones in a way that I think you'd expect from any good album. But like, I don't know, for the first time, I didn't really focus on those. And, and it turned out in those aspects like better than it ever has by by quite a margin, in my opinion. 
Um, I don't know. I think it's a, it's a, I think it's my best record for sure. You know, I think it's just like, I feel like I've caught up to myself. I feel like I, I could be wrong, but I feel like in a year I will still be as proud of that record. You know, it won't be like, I'm excited about it now, but then as I get better, I'll be like, Oh shit. I wish I could fix that. I think <laughs> that I will always look back on this record as like the best that it could have been. And like, I'll do other things, but this is, you know, this was, I have no regrets about the album for a change, you know? That's awesome. Yeah, and you've got the record coming out, I think, on, what, Friday, right? Coming up in a few days? Yeah, I think for the 20th, yeah. Same yeah, day as 20th. Spider-Man 2. Uh, <laughs> and then you've That's got a got tour kicking right. off, like, Thursday. Well, you're playing yeah. New York, but then you, you're, you've got a bunch of shows coming. You're going all the way across the whole country. You're playing. I saw you yeah. in San Diego, Soda Bar. That's a great place. Yeah, that'll be the first time I'm, I'm in San Diego. I can't wait. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate... You doing this today, Harry? Thank you so much, man. Oh, of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah, I have one more quick question for you. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Dang, I'm trying to think of of the best like general advice. I would guess so for artists, like for you know, putting aside like musicianship or something like that. If you want to be kind of like um, do I guess I don't know, like like what I sort of do you know if you want to work in music there's just a million ways it, but like if you want to be like releasing your own records and kind of touring your own project stuff like that i would say that probably the biggest thing is know like what you want be like uncompromising on the creative side of things and be insanely compromising on the non-creative side of things like have an idea of what you want and don't let anything else change the music you make and the content you make and the videos you make and whatever like no one's opinion trends none of that should have anything to do with it whatsoever but once the song is done very much stop being an artist and very much start being a shameless promoter you know i like i think would be the big like i saw at some point somebody said it like this like like be very like steadfast on what your goal is and be insanely flexible with how you with how you reach that goal and i think that that's kind of a it's slightly slightly different you know idea because you know because i don't think that anybody really has one central goal apart from like make music and get people to hear the music but i would just say that like there's no wrong way to get somebody to hear your music like there's no wrong way to get yourself out there and promote yourself and get people to come to the shows do not limit yourself on that. There's a lot of like, oh, well, this type of artist does this and I don't want to be that type of artist. Like your music is your artistic expression. That's and then, of course, like, you know, the way you use social media, the way you use ads, the way you use any other promotional method is also should should be reflective of who you are for sure. But um nobody's going to give a shit that you're like not on TikTok. Like nobody's going to be like, oh, this is, you must be this type of musician because you're not on, like nobody cares. Like you should be willing to do anything you can to get the music out. But that should all be like a thousand miles away from your brain when you're actually making the music. I love what it. I, I think be my biggest thing. That's what I wish I could go back. Oh, also follow your gut. Don't really listen to other people. You, you know how best to, to um, release the music and how best to do things. Like my biggest regret in the Midnight Club, we have so much music that never got released because people were telling us how to do things. And now the music will never come out because no one cares enough about it, myself included, to finish it off and promote it and whatever. But I wish it was out. Like I wish that that band, I wish that I could look back on that band and, and it is how I wanted it to be at the time. You know, I wish I just kind of followed my gut. I think I knew better than what everybody was telling me at the time not because i was some fucking guru but because like i was the age of the people i was trying to promote to i was discovering these new methods of discovering music as everyone else was i was younger than these old ass managers who were who hadn't broke a band since 1985 you know what i mean like like you probably know your audience better than anyone else and how to reach them better than anyone else um but you might not so be willing to try anything, but also like go with your dad.